Welcome to the Unfair Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest OnFIF podcast. My name is Nikhil Sangani. I'm the Managing Director of Research at OnFIF. I'm joined by my colleague, Edward Malling, who's a research analyst. And we're going to be talking about central bank reserve management, more specifically focusing on sub-Saharan Africa and some of the key trends in, in reserves there. This follows on from our recent Global Public Investor 2023 report, which delves into the key trends, investment intentions and operations of reserve managers based on our global survey of 75 central banks with international assets of close to 5 trillion US dollars. The reason we're choosing Africa to delve deeper into is because it has particularly unique and interesting trends which are different from some of the other regions. Generally speaking, the reserves are, have come under pressure and there's some interesting insights into the assets which reserve managers have indicated they are demanding. And we're going to delve into some of the currency intentions there as well amid some of these recent claims over de-dollarization. So I think just taking a step back, Ed, what are you seeing as some of the main trends we've seen from reserves in sub-Saharan Africa? Well, thank you, Nikhil. It will come as not a surprise to most people that central bank reserve managers suffered, uh, were, were forced to weather quite difficult conditions last year. And this was reflected across all regions in terms of their Total international reserve levels, they fell across the board between March 2022 and 2023 by roughly 3%, which marked quite recovery on to decline of around 10% uh, up until October from the beginning of the Russia-Ukraine war. And these, the effects of that conflict and their impacts on markets were felt most acutely in Africa, who across the whole year total reserves declined by almost five percent which was the highest level of any region and these effects were particularly acute in commodity importers such as the likes of Egypt and Ghana who were at various times throughout the year required to look to the International Monetary Fund for assistance so external positions across the continent and particularly in these countries declined and this was reflected within our survey findings. From perspective, we'd look specifically at sub-Saharan Africa in the GPR report and across 34 of the countries included in this region, reserves declined in 28 of those. Many of these countries already found themselves in a precarious position given the lingering effects of the coronavirus pandemic. Reserves to GDP ratios in the region have slipped below 10% and for some perspective, these levels are still above 20% in Asia-Pacific, 30% in the Middle East. Many of these countries obviously performing relatively well compared to other regions, given their increase in oil prices throughout the year. And this level of 10% is also below the levels of reserve adequacy that we see in Latin America, for example, where they sit around 15%. So whilst not the most accurate or causal debt ratio to specifically look at, it provides an indication as to the level of reserves adequacy in the region. And most telling was our finding that 29% of respondents to our survey from sub-Saharan Africa self-assess that their international reserves are less than adequate, whereas the same number for the remainder of the sample was only 5%. Right. So, That's quite striking yeah, then. So it's, it's quite, uh, I guess, summing up that from what you're saying is that it's sub-Saharan African reserve managers took quite a hit in the last year or so, that in 28 of the 34 countries in sub-Saharan Africa had 
seen their reserves decline. And 29% of those who responded to our survey from the region said their the reserves are inadequate, which is far more than, than others, which is perhaps linked to their frail positions coming into the crisis, uh, the Russia-Ukraine crisis and the surge in commodity prices, which hit some of the importers. I wonder then how does that play into what some of the survey respondents told us are some of their main economic concerns right now, given that a lot of them came in to this year with invulnerable positions? Oh, well, fears of stagflation um, come across quite strongly in our survey findings. The impacts of tightening monetary, monetary conditions around the world, and in particular, the rate hikes from the Federal Reserve have prompted reserve managers everywhere to reassess their investment strategies, particularly over the short to midterm. And the concerns of a global economic slowdown and the prospects of a global recession are most apparent to sub-Saharan African reserve managers. The fears of global economic slowdown in the next 12 to 24 months in particular were twice the entire average in sub-Saharan Africa at more than one-third, 36%. And as you alluded to, this presumably relates to the fact that a lot of these countries already find themselves in a vulnerable position and the prospect of further rate hikes overseas only increases the risks of further capital outflows, compounding the effects of this already quite precarious position they find themselves in. Right. So we've got central banks in a vulnerable position and they're telling us quite clearly that they're fearful of a global economic slowdown or a global recession, presumably linked to those fears of capital outflow, which will put pressure on their reserves and, and their currencies. So that seems like quite a gloomy picture. Is that feeding into some of the asset allocation decisions then? Are they looking to actively rebuild their reserves by taking a risky approach to move into, say, equities, for example? Or is it very much more on preserving the capital they've already got and taking a risk-off approach? Capital preservation seems to be the route that most reserve managers in our survey across all regions are taking. The risk-off approach is also evident over the next... 12 to 24 months for central bank reserve managers in Africa seems to be to move into more high quality liquid government securities and particularly those denominated in stable reserve currencies, including the dollar and also the euro, which has benefited where, where sentiments towards the euro are particularly high across all our respondents. To give some more precise numbers from the survey, almost half, so 46% of Respondents plan to increase their exposure to both government and quasi-government bonds in the next year, in the next one to two years. And the net increases on dollar-denominated and euro-denominated government and quasi-government bonds are respectively 36 and 15 percent. The dollar continues to, in, in spite of sort of comments relating to um, and much of the discourse around de-dollarization and the prospects that the dollar does continue to dominate central bank reserve assets and the currency composition of those in Africa. And in the short term, at least, the sentiments towards the dollar continue to be quite strong and favourable, and likely linked to the recent rate hikes in the United States and the well, it provides them a haven as yeah, well, right? a, I suppose, as a stronger currency. And, and the euros, the, the, the similar increase we've seen in, in sentiments, positive sentiments towards the euro reflect similar patterns. So as you mentioned, Ed, so there's been some sentiment, positive sentiment towards the dollar in the near term, perhaps as a safe haven currency, which maybe flies in the face of some of these comments around de-dollarization. I'm just wondering in the 
in the longer term, is there still positive sentiment to, to the dollar or are African reserve managers looking to move into other currencies like the renminbi, for example? Well, as, as is well documented, China's presence in Africa and its growing importance in terms of trade and its more present role in bilateral lending has, even in the near term, led to increasing shares of the renminbi across Africa. This year, it is, according to our survey data, Remimbi's now, its share of sub-Saharan African reserves is now 5.2%, which is up 0.5% on last year. And it's twice its global share that is reported in the IMF's COPA database. Over the, whilst in the short term, there is strong positive sentiments towards the euro and the dollar. In the long term, we see something quite different. There is this continued push towards diversifying currency portfolios and um, diversifying the currencies that they hold. And the renminbi is the chief beneficiary of this shift. So 62% plan to increase their exposure to the renminbi in the next 10 years, which might suggest that sentiments towards renminbi might be cooling in the near term, perhaps ongoing slowdown in a perception of a temporary slowdown in China and strong outlook for the dollar, at least in the near term. In the long term, diversification is still high on the agenda for central bank reserve managers in Africa. That's Remember. quite striking, actually. I mean, if it's 62% are looking to move towards the renminbi. I mean, is there factors like geopolitics, for example? Is that is that seen as important by these reserve managers? Or, or what other factors are? is it that it's playing into these sentiments, positive sentiments towards the renminbi over the longer term? Well, interestingly, we do see a divergence between respondents in Africa and with reserve managers elsewhere in terms of their outlook for the China's economy. I, I think that the main motivation continues to be diversification. There might be a perception that there's an over-reliance on the, on the dollar and on the dollar and the euro in particular. Uh, but for a greater share of African reserve managers than elsewhere, there's a perception that investment in Chinese assets might bring about a might promise higher returns in the long run. Of course, China's increasing presence in Africa in terms of their significance for trade on the continent is rising. And these are all encouraging factors for reserve managers in Africa. We also see that some discouraging factors such as market infrastructure are significantly less significant to African reserve managers relative to other jurisdictions, but this doesn't reflect a any element of risk blindness from reserve managers. Geopolitics is still a key concern, and for more than half of our respondents, geopolitical risks are their primary long long term concern. Uh, at around fifty seven percent, and the same amount consider geopolitical tensions to be a a mitigating factor in terms of how their outlook for Chinese assets is. There, there, there's also staple uh, concerns that are reflected in other regions, including capital controls and the regulatory environment that still are considerations for African reserve managers as well. So geopolitics is on the mind of African reserve managers, but there, there are key differences to other regions. Yeah, and I suppose what, what that maybe means is that you we won't see a wholesale change in the currency composition of African reserve managers overnight, even if their sentiment is 
more positive towards the renminbi over the long term if there are some of these lingering issues around geopolitics and capital controls and market infrastructure perhaps we won't see you know the dollar diminish significantly in african reserves or even even those more globally i think the the, the final topic worth touching on is esg obviously been a well depending on where you are is, is either a contentious issue or an increasingly important issue and is increasingly featuring in the minds of central bank reserve managers globally is that also the case for those in sub-saharan africa or is it that it's of secondary importance given the what you mentioned before about how there's an increasing priority on preserving capital amid the difficult macroeconomic backdrop taking a sort of step back and looking at where esg sits more Globally, ESG integration is far more advanced or at a later stage of its development in, in particular, Europe and Asia-Pacific. Many of these central banks were the first movers in terms of integrating ESG into their, into their investment strategies and even their operations. And developing countries do continue to lag behind somewhat, but there are pockets of progress. So in in Africa in particular, we still see that more than half aren't integrating ESG and only 25% currently invest in labelled bonds. However, whilst we have seen progress from in Africa in the last few years in particular, there is evidence that might suggest that this gap between Asia-Pacific and Europe and other regions may continue to grow. Only 23% of African reserve managers are planning on increasing their allocation to these labelled bonds, which is less than half that we see for Asia-Pacific and even less than Europe as well. So so what might be, be behind this deficit between Europe and Asia-Pacific is it's not likely to be for a lack of a lack of projects. There may still be other funding structures and products which might be more tailored to these regions than the existing sort of products that have developed now in Europe and Asia. The two key constraints, as suggested by our survey, in particular are related to capacity building and data. Data obviously being the key constraint across all regions. 83% cite data challenges as their key obstacle to integrating ESG. And for 42%, complexity and understanding are other obstacles. But whilst these obstacles are also present in virtually all other regions, these are both about 10% higher than the average across the whole sample. So how, how would you sum it up in, in a line or two then on, on those ESG trends? So as far as I can tell, it's Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa reserve measures may be lagging behind, but there's some key hurdles there. Is that is that the key message from there? Yeah, so there's there's been... Um, significant progress made in recent years in terms of catching up however the risk now is that is that this gap may not be able to be bridged in sufficient time and the obstacles that are facing all other regions are more acute in Africa and um, will require some more innovative solutions right yep yep that makes sense if, if big challenges in terms of uh, of data which will require you know, stronger internal resources, which are perhaps dedicated to maybe, as mentioned before, about capital preservation. This links to another project that we work on at OMFIF in conjunction with our partners at APSA um, on the African Financial Markets Index, 
which is going to be running for its seventh year this year, which looks at financial markets development in, well, this year will be 29 African countries, which looks on the domestic side rather than necessarily looking at international reserves. Um, but one of the areas that we look into is ESG and how African markets are building ESG incentives and market standards into their domestic exchanges. I mean, even though we may not be seeing that in terms of what the central banks are doing with their reserves, it does seem like um, the early signs are from our surveys and analysis there is that a lot of countries are doing things domestically. The likes of Tunisia and Eswatini now have guidelines around issuance for of ESG assets and various others are doing innovative things around carbon credits and issuing new bonds around gender bonds and climate related bonds and all the rest of it. So yeah, that that's maybe an area where we can go into more detail on what is being done on the ESG fund in Africa, even if it may not be on the central bank reserve manager side. So yeah, just to just to sum up some of the useful insights from this conversation, Ed, I suppose the picture that you've painted here is that there are difficult macroeconomic conditions globally, which seem to have been hitting those in sub-Saharan Africa particularly hard, um, particularly those that maybe came into this crisis in more vulnerable positions. And now a lot of them have inadequate reserves and are turning to the IMF. And that maybe is linked to their risk-off approach and their demand for safer assets like government and quasi-government bonds, even the US dollar in the near term. Perhaps shifting towards the renminbi over the longer term for diversification, although that may not happen overnight. And in the meantime, there's some some movement towards incorporating ESG in their reserve assets, but right now it may be lagging behind on those initiatives compared to those with more resources in Europe and Asia Pacific. Was there anything else to to add to that? Uh, so, as you correctly alluded to, Nikhil, in our Africa Financial Markets Index, we do highlight and we do see quite significant progress being made, particularly on the ESG front in um, recent years. And there there are many efforts centred on improving capacity building and trying to encourage the, the development of a number of projects. So it does at least provide a, a cause for some some hope that the that there won't be a growing gulf between, between developed and developing nations, particularly as more projects come online and as capacity and understanding continues to be developed across all financial market participants in these in the region. Yeah, and that's maybe a a more optimistic note to end on. That there are steps being taken to address some of these issues and move in the right direction on building market infrastructure. Even if, as as we mentioned before, some of the central banks themselves are struggling in this environment. Yeah, that just leads me to to thank you, Ed, for for your useful insights in this discussion and for all those listening, thank you for tuning in. And we'll be doing a lot more work on on Africa in the coming weeks and months, uh, as mentioned as part of this Africa Financial Markets Index project. So we will be uh, add on for continuing this discussion on African central banks and how they're building, how African policymakers are building their market infrastructure at the same time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the OnFifth podcast.